1: Eyes up If his protection is gone and your enemies are near If you've seen the seas spill over And the mountains shake, break, and fall If the moon ever turns blood red And you can't see the sun at all Rise up, no matter if the prize is high in the skies Or deep, deep in perdition if our leaders are globally despised And always seem to rise to attrition or blatant nepotism If women and children Have to live in impossible conditions Welcome to New
0: Abolitionist Radio this is, this is Scotty Reed broadcaster From behind the enemy lines parody. You Normally you would be hearing Max Tartis opening up the program But he is kind of buys buys mobile right now And left, Max we cannot hear you off. I see a mic the open your uh, Check son, your phone
1: and or the Uber Conference off, app, it seems the like. Why? Why? And
0: the Max, are you there? For the life of
1: an unborn child. Okay. When All,
0: come. Come. All right, please, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. All right,
2: I was
3: using the microphone, but as you know, as you just said, i am been mobile and I was trying to hook everything up here earlier. So if you can hear me clearly, I'll start out intro now. All right, go right ahead, sir. Three, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again, my annual. Peace and Pizza, welcome to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century legalized slavery. Currently hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas, with Black Talk Media Project founder, Scott Reed, and Millions for Prisoners Human Rights Coalition communications manager, Leila Aziz. On this weekly program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking as it is allowed through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, along with projects and people who help combat it. We are the official... Educational and introductory program representing the millions for prisoners' human rights coalition. If you want to know about the new abolitionist movement, what it is and what it's all about, this is the official place to start. This is on November twenty-second, two thousand and seventeen
4: broadcast,
3: the day before Thanksgiving holiday in the US. On this day in two thousand and fourteen, the shooting of Tamir Rice, a twelve-year-old African American boy, June twenty-fifth, two thousand and two, through November twenty-third, two thousand and fourteen occurred on November 22nd in Cleveland, Ohio. Two police officers, 26-year-old Timothy Loman and 46-year-old Frank Gombach, responded after receiving a police dispatch call of a black male sitting on a spring and pointing a gun at people in a city park. Justice was never done. Also, on this day in 1963, J.S. was assassinated. Justice wasn't done there either. In addition to our hosts and callers, we have a guest today, courtesy of Yousef Asad. Maya Vinyam is a senior editor of the New Inquiry and co-creator of BailBlock. The New Inquiry is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Brooklyn, New York, and is not affiliated with any political party, government agency, university, municipality, religious organization. BailBlock is a cryptocurrency tool against bail. We talked about it last week. Tonight, we'll give you more details. Proudle and I are here in SC for a few days, and uh, we'll also give you an update on our efforts in Ohio. Our abolitionist in profile tonight is Amy Hester Hetty Reckless, 1776 to January 28, 1881. Special salute to Wallow Books, Justice for and its contemporary abolitionist efforts. In the segment, for Freedom State, A History of Rebellion, we will remember the Akuma play revolt of seventeen thirty three, a rider of the twenty first century underground railroad is Kevin Smith, who was jailed on a charge in New Orleans in two thousand and ten. Smith's case never went to jury on Monday, November thirteenth, two thousand eight hundred and thirty
2: two days after he was
3: locked up. Criminal District Court Judge Tracy Flemings Davalier ordered Smith's release, bowing to an appeals court that prosecutors had violated his right to a speedy prop. Got a question or a comment? You can call us toll free 866-510-9025. You can chat with us and others by logging in at uberconference dot slash black talk radio network. Uh, once again, I'm Max Farkas. What's happening, Layla? What's happening, Scotty?
0: Yeah, Max, uh, I'm doing I'm doing okay, man. But your audio isn't great. Um, I don't know if you're moving and your mouth, the direction of the microphone, but at times we could hear you good. Other times we could not hear you. So if you don't mind, just for clarity uh, for those that's listening, I'm just going to briefly run back over what Max said. Uh, But Max, yeah, we're still having audio issues with you. At times you're clear. At times it's like your voice goes, sounds muffled. So I don't, so if you want to try to uh, work that out, um, I'm not sure. Layla is new. Greetings to you, sister. Uh, hit star, start to unmute yourself, cause I don't recognize um, numbers or have your number, you know, memorized or anything like that. So unmute yourself. But let me let me just uh, because of the special conditions. Again, Max, we know has been in Ohio now. He's in S- South Carolina, and I'm sure he'll talk about um, some of that during the course of the night, um, and also mention the fundraiser. But Let me go over the intro again Or our show description This is November the 22nd As Max said 2017 broadcast The new abolitionist radio The day before the Thanksgiving holiday In the US On this day in 2014 The shooting of Tamir Rice A 12 year old African American boy June 25th 2002 November the 23rd 2014 Occurred on November the 22nd In Cleveland, Ohio. The slave catchers who shot him, we had it on film. Everybody saw it. 26-year-old Timothy Loman, who was dismissed from a department and had a uh, in his personnel file where they said he shouldn't even been working as a cop. But that's what we see often. Cops kill somebody or beat somebody or just shouldn't even be in that position because of their mental instability and they just go to another town. 46 uh, year old Frank Garnbeck was the one driving the car and rolled up on uh, young Tamir like that um, so we know that story also on this day in 1963 John F. Kennedy was assassinated a uh, question was asked about that today Max and why was he w- the question was 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 John F. Kennedy assassinated for his liberal views and the majority of the answers had to do with John F. Kennedy's administration doing back um, backdoor talks to lift the embargo and all of that off of Cuba and allow these people to practice self determination and in their independence for freedom um from capitalist capital and capitalism and crime. Um he was talking with them and that, that he was assassinated because he was working towards normalizing the relationship with Cuba with the CIA running at Dulles Brothers so do your research on that Uh, in addition to our hosts and callers uh, we have a guest as he mentioned Yusuf Hassan um, has arranged for Maya Benyam, who is the senior editor of the New Inquirer and co-creator of Bell Block which we have been discussing on several programs on the Black Talk Radio Network and in in our uh, broader conversation about cryptocurrency and the coins that change where uh which is what uh tando radio is involved in but there the, the new inquiry is a 501c3 nonprofit profit in brooklyn and it's not affiliated with any kind of parties or let's just say the powers that be bail block is a cryptocurrency scheme against bail and we will as max talked about we can delve deeper into that um uh, profile tonight: Abolitionists in profile. Amy Hester, also known as Hetty, but Amy Hester, Reckless, uh, born in 1776, died in 1881. Uh, special salute to Ronald Brooks, Justice for Ron and his contemporary abolitionist efforts, and in the sake for the new is relatively new segment for Freedom's sake: A History of Rebellion. We will remember the. I uh, think this is the Agwamu slave revolt of 1733 and our writer of the 21st century underground railroad is kevin smith all right uh max can we see how your audio sounds now sir okay it seems max called in from the computer max can can we yes can you hear me now oh perfectly clear uh greetings to you sister layla what's going on with you
5: Greetings, brother.
4: Nothing much. It sounds like a really exciting show tonight. Man, exciting. I don't know. Or show. Even that word kind of makes me feel some kind of way right these days. So much blood and and so much terrible things happening. You know, yeah, it's another episode and it's something that's going to inspire people to do something, I think. To wake up, to learn more, to want to do more. You know, uh, we carry a lot of educational efforts on our backs here between all of us to uh, bring people to some un- understanding of what's occurring, not only right now, but continuously over time.
2: So, yeah. Well, thank
4: you. It's nice to hear you here again. I'm glad. You know, I, I was thinking I might be even, even able to take a day off today because you was here now. Because as he said, I've been moving in and out of Ohio, I'm back in South Carolina now, to tie up a few loose ends up here at my daughter's house, and then we'll go back to Ohio once again. Uh, from there we'll be leaving to Ghana. When we return to Ohio, we'll continue work on the uh, compound out there, the James Claude compound, but we've got to establish some fronts over the across the ocean there for a
5: while. That sounds phenomenal. And you're going to Ghana? How long are you going to be there?
4: Uh, we suspect to be there about a month,
5: uh, and then we'll
4: Going to return again during the year. As I said, we're setting up kind of an exchange process, sending people over, bringing people back, helping to educate them, uh, different things. Oh,
6: that, I'll break it down wonderful. in
4: detail over time. Word. Yes, sir. So yeah, man. And Scotty, thanks for hailing that intro, bro. It was confusing in the bit beginning. I keep getting booted from this particular format. So if I do check, I'll be. I'll just log back in.
0: Yeah, well, you um, sound great tonight, man. Now, whatever adjustment it's been you so, made. but
4: go ahead, Scott. Yeah,
0: uh, let's jump right into it because I'm excited to hear about our guest. And another thing we talked about that's related to new abolitionism, even though it wasn't talked about in that context, is Tando Radio Show had a a guy who had been a victim of modern day slavery, not to say that. You know, he didn't do what he was accused of, which, frankly, I didn't ask him, didn't care. He just told me he had been in prison. Now he's he's uh, working with some other people, come up with a crypto bun, bail, uh, no, what is it? Um, it's addressing crime because a lot of times crime does occur. We want to ignore it because, you know, there is the political aspect and how the media wells that against certain communities to say that they're crime ridden but that still don't demiss the fact that people are losing their lives and families are affected and so he was he's thinking along the lines of setting up a way to set up a a a reward just like you know the police offer a reward well maybe don't nobody want to talk to the police and be on record and don't trust police to say well you know but they can reveal that information and get a reward for it. They, they he went more into details do check that out um, I'll share that later um, but then I introduced and he was totally open to the ideal of a reward for cops who report on slave catchers if they want to make a distinction uh, cause you probably can just turn on your body cam and catch these slave catchers plotting and planning. And, and if you want to uh, release that WikiLeaks style, uh, you might could get a reward for it. So I definitely are am, uh, excited about all this different technology, especially with how hot digital currency is as a topic and an investment, but using it in abolitionist fashion like bailing people out and and so definitely looking forward to hearing from our guests um um who will be caught joining us in just about 15 minutes i believe at at the uh, half hour mark
4: yeah, I was looking forward to hearing more about that, too, because of the way it works. It just kind of builds itself and replenishes itself. Cryptocurrency, it just it's mining. I don't understand that mining process. I'd like to hear
0: more about I how do. that
4: works and how it generates let, income. Let me,
0: let me give you a brief example of it uh, without going deep into it. It is actually, actually mining because, if I'm not mistaken, uh, she will be telling us about you just running a computer program. Like if you got, let's say you got a laptop, you got a desktop, you might have two desktops. You put on, run this program and it literally is searching the internet and mining. Now, I would like somebody to explain that better because it's like digging for gold is an analogy where you actually going out there in the ground Or to a riverbed and you mining for gold or what have you. Well, think of it in a simplistic way, like cryptocurrency. You running this program and it's mining. I I guess, man, cryptocurrency is like running around loose digitally on the internet. Hey, and this thing is gonna find it. It's gonna put it in this bail fund so we can uh, get some people with a thousand dollar or less bail in some pilot cities use that to bail them out of jail and all it's this, all this based on is uh, people using it so just think about the fund and it only may generate about three to five dollars a month but what about if a million people was running this program when they not using their computers or letting the extra one and it's mining that coming up with them funds where you could bail people out of slavery any means necessary even if it's well, temporary relief for a few and, and you know I, I'm open to everything
4: it sounds like how an underground railroad should be operating in certain uh way stations <laughs> you know what i mean that's like that's one ways. way of getting that's people out literally so i'm looking forward to hearing more about it uh how has your week been layla anything uh, special happened past week with you
5: actually there has been some really great things that have happened yesterday i had the opportunity to view a documentary Uh, About a Muslim inmate who is released in Chicago and has to navigate through the pre-release system and the support that's needed, but also the broken system and how that system basically is created, like we all know, in order to promote recidivism, and that's where the money is and how they had to utilize the support system that they had created inside, which was their faith, and try to hold each other up um, in navigating through an almost impossible terrain. And the actual um, star of the documentary, he was present during the screening. So there was a panel afterwards, and we were able to ask questions. And he had a lot of questions um, on the support that could be um, implemented to actually help them, and so it was a cross-exchange. So that was really dope. I loved it.
4: I believe I saw the panel discussion on that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There was one brother that was even talking about the 13th Amendment in particular. Is that the one that I saw yesterday?
5: Yes, and that was actually Khalid Alexander who spoke. He's the founder of Pillars of the Community, and yes. they deal with a lot of people who are coming home in San Diego from incarceration, and he did speak about the 13th Amendment.
4: Mm-hmm. Man, uh, just we need as many as we can to talk about that, to point it out. I, I saw... Uh, an hour and a half long Presentation Of I believe it was like Eight panelists who were all Supposed to be the greatest again like they said Last time Scotty the greatest and Most knowledgeable people in the whole Country about the 13th amendment And everything around that and they Had more degrees than you can shake a Stick at uh, one was Sitting in the position that uh, Thurgood Marshall held uh, Another is a fourth circuit judge And there are people of color involved too and not one of them mentioned the 13th amendment at an event where they were commemorating the 150th anniversary. This was from 2015. They didn't have a single word to say about it. One finally mentioned it kind of in passing and it was one of the the, the white professors and it was because uh, the moderator had led towards it. And he said, well, you know, we could talk about the connection between convict leasing and the uh, 13th amendment and, uh, modern day prisons, but that would take an entire- it would take us too long, and we could do a whole seminar on it so let's not talk about that. let's talk about this, and that's how they did throughout the whole panel, like nobody ever mentioned it blew my mind, man
5: that's actually upsetting because it shows that people know about it, it demonstrates that they know about it, and they refuse to deal with it. What other yeah. human rights issue besides slavery is in the forefront of what we're dealing with in this modern-day era? The I don't see anything did. else that's before that.
4: They talked about every aspect and every sentence of the amendment, the 13th Amendment. They talked about the 14th and the 15th, but they did not talk about that exception clause as if it was invisible, like it was a magical spell cast. But I, I was telling some friends at the end of this program, now I can say I have listened to the best arguments you have had to present, and I have found them failing. They they completely missed the point. I've listened to your best tell me now about how slavery was abolished, and all of them missed the same point. And that is uh, pretty weird that all of these intellectuals would miss a 13th Amendment exception clause as if it's not there. Scotty and I broke it down a few weeks ago on one program, and then this is another one that I've seen.
5: That's upsetting, but it demonstrates that um, America has a lust for slavery, and it's just as much American as apple pie. And we're still eating apple pie, aren't we?
0: Yes, I was just about to um, chime in there and say that to me it's criminal Um, because you're Mm -hmm, a law professor and when you invite these people with these titles and these positions at universities and even holding um, positions as judges whether they're political appointees or, or elected judges and you're you know the same problem with the conference we talked about with the American Bar Association having people from Howard University and other professors and 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 you just talk around the fact that slavery was never abolished and you don't want to bring up Convict Leasing, the Black Codes, Dixon's Drug War, uh the Clinton Crime Bill with Joe Biden's input, he wrote most of it and 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 so on into and, and to today, you know, private prisons, you know, justice is for sale. And what have you so it's it's like to me it's criminal in the fact that Either these people need to turn in their law degrees or and, and, or take a refresher course on English comprehension. Because it's only like people have said, repeat a lot, 47 words. And you're just going to gloss over, you know, look up the definition except. You're going to tell me a law professor don't know the word, you know, the meaning of the word or the definition of accept in the context of a sentence Give me a break. It's criminal. It's criminal. And and it's it's just, it's it's really targeted for the masses. And what was so shameful about the other one, Max, was a judge was in the audience. A little district court judge talking about sentencing people to community service and not paying them or whatnot. And it seemed like she thought it was a question of whether or not this was slavery. But after she asked her question and, and they bamboozled her, Instead of her using her own wisdom and knowledge, so we, it's important who's who's running locally, you know, for these for these positions. So it's to me, it's criminal, it's criminal negligence. These people should have their law license revoked. I ain't mean wrong, wrong the same neglig- way, later, man. I later, was
4: feeling the these, same way. Like what they're doing is costing people their lives. Yeah, the police are public, using what you're saying as justification, competing. the courts are using it as justification and you're standing there telling people something that don't exist and completely ignoring that sentence except for prisoners duly convicted you won't even talk about it, like it don't exist it's crazy man And let me tell you who was in this this uh, last one from 2015 it was done at the US National Archives on December 7th uh, 2015, marking the emancipation. Its moderator was Jeffrey Rosen, president of the National Constitution Center. Uh, it also had Representative C.K. Butterfield, chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, Judge Bernice Donald, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, Judge James Wynn, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, Lovolia Glimp, professor of history, Duke University, Author and journalist Richard Buchheiser and Kate Masseur, professor of history, Northwest Western University. And it was presented in partnership with the Constitutional Accountability Center and the National Constitution Center. Like, you don't get no bigger than that. And how they all ignored it. They didn't ask any of the right questions at all. Like, who introduced the 13th Amendment? Where did this specific language come from? Who was the person that wrote it? Uh, how did it get to Lincoln? Where was did it begin from? Is this the first example of it? No, because we know there's the Corwin Amendment, which was so much worse, and there was another amendment prior to that, which was proposed. So where did it get its... Like All the questions we would ask here, they didn't ask at all. It was all fluff questions about what happened after the 13th Amendment. So they started from the assumption that slavery ended. They skipped the exception clause and went right into what happened afterwards
0: this is this is no different and, and I'm not even trying to debate climate science but it's no different than the oil and gas industry paying scientists to debunk climate change even though most scientists or people who's gone to school have these degrees that's the field they work in seem, the majority of them seem to agree that the environment is changing and it's ch- having a negative impact and projecting it out so it's the same thing to me uh, how many of these people might also? And I'm you mentioned G.K. Butterfield, North Carolina, uh, um, mostly north the northern part of North Carolina. But you mentioned he part of the so-called uh, Black Political Caucus, and they were taking money. That super PAC that uh, came out with um, with uh, what's his name um, uh, I meant from Georgia, representative got beat in the head a lot during the Civil Rights Movement. Uh, Later, I can't. I can't remember his name right now. He's he's world famous because he all they always yep. Tried him out, you know, to celebrate civil rights and what what have you. It's John Lewis. Thank you, John Lewis. Thank you. Thank yourself. you, Yusuf.
7: What's happening, brother? <laughs> I was I was muted, but I was
0: like, I can't let that question go yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, so they stood in front of a super PAC to endorse Hillary Clinton, who connected her campaign, was taking money from private prison lobbyists, um, and she only stopped taking it, didn't give any of it back, or donated to charities. I, I You know, I can't say definitively. On that until the Black Lives Matter, I think it was the Baltimore chapter called them out behind the uh, curtain, literally behind the curtain, got him on, got her on film, and and saying she'll crush private prisons and what. So you know there is a slavery lobby, y'all. You you all, and we know that you know in the uh, thirteenth they brought up Alec, and that's really abroad, abroad coalition of corporations who train politicians that that connection is there so to me the sponsored um events like this tells us that we got to put on our more more events even if it's just uh scheduling some time at the library and putting together a little short presentation and and, you know maybe i i gotta do more man because i'm you know yeah i got i can start trying to do that we got to fight fight lies with truth and education
4: amen amen uh we got about 2 minutes left before our uh we have our guest come in to speak with us uh anybody want to say anything else okay then uh tonight uh, i did want to take some time during this evening to talk about the uh free alabama movement not right now but i just remember later on i want to be able to talk about some of the brothers and what they're going through over there in the Alabama prisons. The state of Alabama is just ridiculous to begin with. I've written on it uh, multiple occasions, and at, during the Millions of Prisoners Human Rights March, uh, there was a speaker there from the Black Lives Matter movement who actually read a speech written by me about the Alabama. I'll publish it here later. But in the meantime, Brother Yousef Hassan has uh, brought us a gem today, someone that has a way to bring the underground Reality. Uh, we're working on the North for freedom a, a, as we speak as well. But in any case, we have Maya is a senior editor at the New Inquiry and the co creator of Bail Block. Yousef, any, uh anything else you want to add to
0: that? Yes, if, if our guest is on the line, this Scotty, if our guest is on the line, please hit star star to unmute yourself because I, I don't know your phone number. And there's no names on the board So please uh, hit star star anytime any time to join us Youssef.
7: Yeah I was going to say I'm not even sure if she's on yet
0: Ah uh, okay, she did, okay.
7: She, she did say She was going to call in at
4: 830 Well we just reached it so she's not Particularly late <laughs> In the meantime tell us a little bit about uh, how, how you guys came to meet and how you became aware Of Bail Block
7: Uh I just I just stumbled across it. I saw something on Twitter, and you know it just caught my attention right away. The article that we sh- that we shared last week. I said okay, well let me let me dig into this. I did a little bit of reading, and it was saying you know that they're you know going along the abolitionist platform, but they're going along the the lines of dealing with the bail. So I said you know what, let me reach out to them and see what happens. You know, so I. You know, I sent them a private message on Twitter. I sent a couple of emails out to the different names on their website. And then eventually uh, Maya got back to me. I was actually trying to have her on last week, but, you know, we just set short notice and she, you know, contacted me right before we went on the air and and stated that, you know, she would be available for this week.
4: It sounds like a brilliant idea this cryptocurrency thing. I just need to understand it a little bit more, but I could also imagine it could apply to things more than just bail as well
7: yeah i mean this this is this is a starter you know, like I said I've recently you know started dealing with uh Bitcoin and ethereum and Litecoin, and if you can think of you know. You have you have your computer, and usually when you're using your computer, your computer is only using about twenty percent. So if you can think of, you know, the unused portion of of your computer's capacity being used to perform other tasks, that's what mining is. It's it sort like of like
4: and stuff, huh?
7: Right. So sort of like, imagine one big supercomputer somewhere being able to draw all of the energy from. The you know the unused that's, portion of computers to to perform different tasks.
4: That's what I thought it was. So, it's when that happens, these people who need those resources are paying for it, right?
7: Right, and 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 that's and but they pay out in small little units called satoshis, and a satoshi you know one it takes a hundred million satoshis to equal a bitcoin right now. Bitcoin, let me check real quick say for uh, instance I, you're using Bitcoin I believe that uh, Bill Block is going to use Montero I believe it is I'm not familiar with them but I'm sure you know Maya will be able to fill us in on that
0: yeah I just want but to mention uh, real quick again uh, our for our guest Maya hit star star when you dial in so that you could join us and um, educate us on, on this endeavor go ahead yourself.
7: so right now Bitcoin value is $8,225 per Bitcoin. But again, I remember I said it takes, you know, a 100 million Satoshis to equal one Bitcoin. So, you know, I did some mining with a, with a different miner, and this one that I had on my desktop computer, it took, you know, a week just to come up with 5,200 Satoshis. And I mean converting that into the current Bitcoin rate, that's forty three cents, just to give you an idea. So it does a lot of work, but it, it doesn't generate a lot of money because, you know, I don't have you know the the power that's needed to generate that hundred billion or that hundred million. But on my uh cell phone I have another one that I'm running and it, it, it generates, you know, quite a bit. And I was able to get uh you know, it, it, it brings me about 500,000 Satoshis every week. So, you know, if you think every two weeks, that's a million. So that's one one hundredth, you know, of a Bitcoin, which is about uh, $82. You know, so you see how the numbers add up. And then there are those that create what I call blockchains. And blockchains are different, exactly what you would think it is, is a different block of programming to make Things work across a system, and that's where you know most people make a lot of their money. Those are the blockchain developers and everything they make make money. But as far as just having your computer sit there, your computer sits there twenty four hours a day. Most of us don't use our computers twenty four hours a day. I do. So. Yeah, but I'm saying <laughs> most people don't. We're the
0: types where, you know, we're always, you know, doing some kind of research or doing something, so it's a 24-hour task for us. Well, I, what I mean is it's on 24 hours, him. though, because this could be running while people sleeping. You know, I have to sleep exactly. sometimes, so it's running. But again, as I was saying earlier, because you did say, it's not coming up with a whole lot of money here per person. If I was doing it for myself, looking to get rich, that I'm not going to accomplish it that way. But if so not uh, this one, there are other
7: ways to make money. Let, let me finish though. You Let me
0: finish yourself. Let me finish yourself. I'm not talking. We don't awesome. want to talk about cryptocurrency as an investment for ourselves. We want to talk about the power of let's say a million people running this program in the various ways that we discuss. Again, some people have extra computers. There's a laptop in there now and my grandsons ain't using it. That ain't nobody using it. It could be running and mining. You know what I'm saying? Stay on Mm -hmm. all night. The other one, my other computer, I don't keep it on all night. I have another one. I got to put in the shop, but all these things could be mining. Now, look, that's just me as an individual. But let's say right uh, this let Let's just say there are 40 million people who are primary targets for modern day slavery and human trafficking based on their skin color. Then we can break it down by class and and geography and where you live and and so you know if if we just use what if we through the power of of what they call it collaborative effort, that's a lot of money to get some people bailed out of jail, you know because it's people losing jobs because they can't get out of jail. It, it's a total disruption to people's lives. So it's just, can you get people to buy in? The money's not going to you in your digital wallet. No, it's going to go to this fund that is going to start off in some pilot cities to to if a person got a $1,000 a bond and they can't come up with it, why should they stay in jail and they haven't even been proven guilty? yeah and then their lives re, uh, messed up and put further into depth and then they might be the sole parent and then they got you know the children being disrupted so that's how a system of justice if we were in a system of justice it wouldn't be practicing slavery but like Max has pointed out before it's only two other countries right Max that uh, even have a bail system
4: it's only one other country that has a cash bail system uh, bail bombing like we have and that's the Philippines United States and the Philippines. Everybody else in the world sees it as unethical, immoral, illegal, unjust, uh, to put a cash bail bounty on somebody and then send someone out to hunt them down. That isn't even required to have a law enforcement uh, license or anything like that. And, the, of course, the insurance companies exploiting them. But is, if, uh, if our guess is not on... I guess we could talk about it a little bit more or go on to yeah, one of the, the yeah, other stories. I was going to, to yes.
0: ask uh, Sister Layla, Well, I mean, what is it like in your community? Is this something that your community, the issue is being raised? You know, I, I, you're very active. You're very in touch with the various activists. And what are some of the things they're doing to try to combat it?
5: Um, that's a great question. Um, from a statewide perspective, Can you hear me, Scotty?
0: Yes, and I do want to acknowledge our guest's call, but uh, please bear with us, guest. Um, Maya, thank you for joining us tonight, but we'll let Sister Layla respond to what's going on locally where she is. And Layla, if you want to tell people where you are, you know, that's totally up to you.
5: Hi, Maya. Um, As far as, my name is Layla Zee. Hi, Maya. As far as in California... um, what we're trying to do Maya um, for bail Mm -hmm. that's why we're really interested in what you're going to be talking about today is there was a bail reform bill there are actually two of them a Senate bill and an assembly bill the governor Mm -hmm. after the assembly bill was killed in the assembly but the Senate bill actually made it through And the governor killed our Senate bill which would have eliminated cash bail in California waiting on a judicial report yes the judicial report Mm -hmm. is out now and so they're looking at um, reforming cash bail in California next mm-hmm. year, early next year, and the gov- governor is saying he will sign. I don't trust reform, though. Anytime, and this is yeah. why I like what you're doing, mm-hmm. anytime we have somebody who goes to jail in our community, we always try to raise that full bail so that we don't have to deal right. with bill bondsmen. So it's great having you. And I'm going to give you back to Max and Scotty. I cannot wait to hear about what you guys are offering. Sorry.
8: Sure.
4: Welcome to the program. Uh yeah, we were just talking about you before you came in here and uh some things we were looking forward to hearing. Uh Maya Binion is senior editor of New Inquiry and the co creator of Bailblock. Uh Yusuf is very well versed on cryptocurrency, at least to some degree, and uh bitcoins, but like I'm a I have no knowledge whatsoever. So for me you may have to speak like a child. I don't know. Scotty seems like he he knows it. <laughs>
8: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, and to clarify, I am not a technologist on the project. My uh, my interest in the project and, and sort of my contribution to the project, it was more in formulating its political stakes. So in things like uh, imagining how we move toward abolishing cash bail. Um, but uh, basically the way the program works is uh, it uses – users can download it. Um, it exists in the background of the computer. It works on desktop, uh, Windows, and Apple computers. Um, But it just basically is an icon in your taskbar. You can't really see it running. Um, And what it does is it uses trace amounts of energy from your computer to mine for a cryptocurrency called Monero. Um, And Monero is much easier to mine than Bitcoin. I know that Bitcoin has been in the news recently because it requires a ton of energy and really advanced hardware to mine. Um, Monero, on the other hand, can be mined with consumer-grade hardware. Um, and it takes, like, relatively uh, very, very little energy to mine, so it has a small environmental impact. Um, but basically the way the program works is it mines this cryptocurrency on your computer, and then at and then it deposits that cryptocurrency into uh, a wallet that the bail block creators operate. And at the end of every month, we convert that Monero to U.S. dollars and donate it to um, a bail fund that... Uh, we'll use 100% of those funds to bail people out in the Bronx and Queens in New York Um, but yeah so that's basically how it works Um, I'm really interested to hear more about um, the bail reform efforts in California because something we've been trying to address in creating this project is like in efforts to reform bail there's been a move toward electronic bail and that's something that as abolitionists we're really really opposed to and there's a way that, that paying bail through cryptocurrency could mimic electronic bail, and that's also something that we're very much trying to oppose. Um, so I'm curious if you guys have thoughts on that, too.
4: I would be concerned with the idea that now we are literally developing a pool of resources for those who are applying these Eighth Amendment violations upon us for them to tap into. You know what I mean? Like, it's just free money for right, them. Just, I would be a little concerned that we are creating a pool of resources for those who depend on the bail system to tap into.
8: Mm-hmm.
4: Like, you know, we're mm-hmm. just giving them out this money now, and what will they do? Raise it even higher?
8: Raise bail
4: even, even higher? raise the bail. Cryptocurrency, you know what I mean, and and they're greedy like that. If you understand what I mean, yeah,
8: yeah, I mean and that's I definitely a worry. They,
4: they did that to the furnishing and also to the, have, also to
8: that, the like, standing up. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal in the project is that if we enlist a wide enough base of users, then enough money will exist that, like, even if they raise. The average bail up for misdemeanors, even if they double it and say in New York it's, it's an average of a thousand dollars, say they raise it to two thousand dollars. The goal is that we'll still have enough money to pay that, and we'll have enough money that right. basically no one is in on bail, um, and that they'll have to start changing the way that they, the way that they conceive of things.
4: Anybody else?
7: Well, I understand what you're saying, Matt. Uh know it's like moving the goalposts like they usually do you know so at some point you know as we're doing the you know we're doing the bail block we're also you know going through the legal route of getting bails eliminated you know in in a few states you know like I like the example that they've used in New Jersey to where there's, there's no bail at all you know the, the prosecutor has to file a motion indicating why bail is necessary in a case. So most people are released, you know, on the little small petty charges and everything, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, that's, that's ideally, you know, what it would be nationally. I mean, what we need to do is get a lot of these different little, you know, black codes that they still have on the books. You know, under the guise of different little laws and everything, you know, because they have selective enforcement, you know, like uh, you have to have a light on your bicycle. People are actually getting arrested in large numbers in New York and New Jersey for stuff like that. Yeah. You know, just so they can extort, you know, a thousand dollars. So, you know, now we come up you know, our counter move, we're using Bail blocks, then their counter move is going to be, okay, well, let's raise it up because their yeah. ultimate goal is to get money. That's all they care about is getting the money. You know, right. so, yes, well, you know, I'm fully supportive of Bail Block. I've already downloaded it to my computer. I haven't right. actually started running it yet. You know, I was cool. going to wait until we actually got to speak to you. you know, yeah, definitely. Reading, you know, because, yeah, uh, Bitcoin takes
9: up a lot of energy, <laughs> right? And I'm yeah, no, but
8: I mean, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And Monero <laughs> takes up like comparatively, it takes up much less energy. But I totally hear you. Like, it should only—it's um, basically the equivalent of like running a game on your computer. That's how much mining Monero. That's how much energy it takes up. Um, oh, wait, but I think also, enough. yeah, I mean, that's like that's like the thing because bail is a system that I mean it's its tricky like bail is a system that relies on the presumption that people will not be able to pay it it can be like mitigated by making sure that that poor people have enough money to pay bail but then yeah it's like who's to say that they won't just like then raise bail so that people still can't pay it um, and I think that like things like bail block like they don't promise a solution to bail at all um, and there have to be sort of like convergent efforts to abolish bail and that happens um, by like activists, by people that are on the ground that won't happen via technologists Um, and that's why I think it's important to have conversations like these like with people who are tackling bail from sort of all sides not just people who are saying like download this computer program and like abolish cash bail obviously that won't happen it's just like a tool that's meant to um, support abolitionists
4: Right. I, I, I get that too. I, I just remember what they did out there with the Standing Rock. You know what I mean? They literally mm-hmm. made more money, fees, just while that whole protest was going on than they had made probably in the history of the whole damn city. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. Yeah. I had, over time, they were bringing cops in from other states to create, they were exploiting the crisis to make money yeah. on the people who yeah. were there. And then I see a lot of my brothers and sisters now They do that on purpose like they used to do Back in the 60s where they'll go out to a spot Where they know they're going to get arrested En masse and get arrested and then what do they do They pay these fines and they pay These fees and I believe that our Pressure has learned to use that it's like A payday for them like they almost yeah. Want us to protest sometime somewhere Like you know what they are screwing Up over there in Belusky Texas I could give you a report on it you should go Protest over there we need the money
9: <laughs> Yeah
4: so it makes me a little concerned when we start offering the oppressor Max, more resources
0: if I may interject right. if I may interject on the point that Max just made that's why um, the millions for prisoners human rights march and rally was so positive and there regardless of where the young man came from or what his mental condition may, may have been or or may not have been could have been an agent proclamation a provocateur who was trying to interrupt mm-hmm. the young brother who was giving a speech on a man 13 and but we handled that peacefully escorted him away from the speaker he eventually left but how the slave catchers was getting themselves self in position to just waiting on something to pop off so that like mm-hmm. you all just discussed make some arrests you know they got they got paid overtime just to stand there, but that was such a positive experience because one of the um, he called in a guy from New York who was a former prisoner and he came down there. He tried to get his mm-hmm. friends to come, but he came by himself and and he really just put a smile on my face when he said he came down there and it wasn't really like a protest. It was like an educational event. Mm -hmm. Because we were, you know, people uh, the different activists talking about how they were attacking um, the system Mm. and uh, it was focused on the 13th Amendment and this is slavery Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lila, anything? Oh, oh, I'm sorry Oh, Yusuf, there you go yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was going to ask why I, uh, uh, I
7: heard yourself. you use the term abolitionist, you know, a couple of times. So I'm just curious as to, like, how you got involved in the abolitionist movement and, you know, some of the things that you, that you or your organization have been involved in.
8: Yeah, definitely. So the New Inquiry is primarily a publishing platform or a magazine. Um and we were I got involved um about two years ago, um but the organization has been around for about ten years um and it sort of started uh, it started as uh, a community of like people who were mostly in their early twenties, mostly people of color in new york um and it basically turned into um a place where people who were targeted by the state and, like, therefore didn't have access to the, like, more moneyed media institutions in New York where they could publish things that uh, were, like, argumentative, were against the state, um, and, like, were abolitionist in nature. Um, and so we... Um, so that's sort of how I... I mean, I worked when I was in... I'm I'm young, I'm like 24, um, but when I was in college, I got really into uh, public defense and started trying to work in uh, public defender's offices um, and did that for a couple summers. Um, so that was kind of like my intro, although there were plenty of people in that office that were not abolitionists at all. Um, but... Uh, and I mean, it's something that has been like a strain in like the communities that I sort of, like, care about and grew up in. Um, my family is Ethiopian, and so they mostly immigrated from Africa. But as, I mean, as black uh, African migrants, they face um, the history, their history in the U.S. is, is very different from black Americans, but nevertheless uh, face a, a decent amount of, of police violence. Um, and so, yeah, so all of those things have, like, sort of structured, um, my political like leanings toward abolition, and then the new and Korea as a magazine um has sort of been a platform for uh abolitionists who like seek to publish um their work and like critical pieces It's been sort of a place for people to do that um and those avenues are surprisingly sort of like limited in in New York um, yeah um, but yeah, so that's where that comes from, and it's something like. There are so many um, bail reform projects in New York right now, especially those that are led by technologists. I think like de blasio has something called the bail lab um, which if you look at it online it's like very it's very uh it's this website that it looks like it could be um, like a non nonprofit um, but then if you look at the small text it's clear that it Managed by the city government of New York And so there are all of these Like technological projects That are sort of promising to reform bail But that I think are actually very dangerous And so something that we were thinking about Was like How do we use technology Which does actually It has the potential to be Literally liberating Like how do we harness it for um, Or to abolitionist ends Um, And that's sort of like where Bail Block came out of
0: I have a, a question for you my it's you I'm I'm glad that you mentioned your background. Uh you mentioned that you're a descendant of uh, Ethiopian parents yeah. and so but you're saying that your experience isn't and I understand you're twenty four years old, uh, but you know, that's not to diminish um what you're capable of or what you might know but you just may not be aware yeah. of the international the international um Connections that the new abolitionist movement has made. Uh, Max will be traveling mm-hmm. to Ghana on an invitation. Him and his wife, Tribal Wayne, who's also an abolitionist, will be traveling to Ghana on mm-hmm. an invitation because some of the same municipal systems of slavery uh, plague our people mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. Plague our people all over mm-hmm. the planet especially mm-hmm. with the reach mm-hmm. of private prisons you know uh the geo group mm-hmm. which is based in florida has t- has a contract that has taken over the entire prison system of australia which is disproportionately oh, filled wow. with aboriginal people so I, I just want to know and if you wasn't aware of the international struggle if you still have family friends that's over there because i keep up with international news and there are oppressed political groups in ethiopia and they have a a prison system i just watched a video the other day of ugandan prisoners growing cotton and it was worth like a half a billion a year from you Uga- the ugandan Damn. government making yeah. up. so it's I, i'm just wanted to to know um were you aware of the international. Um, how how international This slavery is In the different connections Thank you
8: Yeah definitely I mean my father When he was in Ethiopia The reason he left Is because he was incarcerated um, And like feared for his life When he was released He was in prison for three years It's slightly different there Because uh, the legacy of colonialism Doesn't exist to the same extent Because it was never formally colonized Although of course Like the Italians occupied And certainly influenced The way state punishment works there um but i didn't realize the extent to like i didn't realize the uh like i i i didn't know that you know how prison labor in uganda say like mimics prison labor in the us i think those are uh, those are connections that i'm still starting to draw and i'm grateful for you elucidating them
4: yeah it, it has taken on <clears throat> an international bend <clears throat> excuse me yeah the model of for-profit prison With bail as part of it One of the uh, areas where Other parts connect Has been copied across the world In various ways
2: Yeah.
0: Um, hey Max just uh, recently Maya, I was reading, mentioned, uh, Maya mentioned uh, Before we get ready to wrap up her uh, Interview she mentioned she, she has some questions for Sister Layla and, and want to be know more about yes. the re- uh, bail reform. And again, In I'm California. like, Sister Layla, we don't like reform. The goal is abolitionist but if we can provide some relief of the very real physical, mental, financial effects of slavery on individuals that, are, that this uh, program helps to help through this bail uh, what's the name of it again, Maya? And if you would, give it's called Bail Block. Bail Block. And what's the website? Yeah.
8: Uh, the website is www.thenewinquiry.bailblock.com
0: And so I would like to give you an opportunity if Sister Layla is open to to answering any questions that you mentioned earlier that you have for her in there and the efforts that she's involved in locally and what she knows about. Sister Layla, you there? You open to take some questions?
5: I sure am.
0: All right. Go ahead,
8: Maya. Great. Um, All right. So I was, I mean, I was wondering what that bail reform bill, like what it entailed, what changes it was proposing. So what it was,
5: and both of the sister bills um, were similar. They're going to do what they call evidence-based assessments. So they're going to have almost um, Mm pre-trial staffing where they actually do an assessment on people to see their risk to public safety. Mm
2: -hmm.
10: And
5: at that point, they're released based on that. So Mm -hmm. we also know that any time that we're dealing with their criminogenics and their standardized assessments, people who are black and brown tend to score higher. So we tend to just be a safety risk based on our color. So we're really looking at those things and all of the different, and any time that you have the government pushing something with a powerful entity such as insurance companies, we know that there are going to be some things that are going to still be very harmful within the bail reform. Right. So
8: basically they're saying... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say about that, I mean, it actually seems like very little is potentially changing, just because the logic of bail, as the state sees it, is like to um, reduce risk to public safety. But obviously, public safety is is a code word, and anytime that, like you said, that is evaluated, it's determined not by like what danger someone might pose to the public. It's determined by their race, whether or not they're black or brown or low income um, or Muslim. Right. um So it's funny that that reform doesn't actually seem like like it's changing anything.
4: It's a constant.
5: Go ahead, Max. Was that Max?
4: I, yes, I said it, it's a constant violation of our Eighth Amendment, twenty four hours a day, mm-hmm. seven days a week. Uh, we're yeah. talking about you know ninety five percent of people that are in jail are only in jail because they can't afford bail, and the majority of those people are minorities, particularly people of color. So when you start looking at it that way, and you hear Kamala Harris come out, who was a former attorney general out in California, and helped to uh, push prison slave labor labor forward, for her to come out and talk about bail reform as if she don't know what an Eighth Amendment violation looks like, yeah. it's pretty ridiculous.
5: Yeah, and I agree. And Kamala Harris, she she was she's not a friend of the um, people who are suffering under the criminal injustice system in California and she fought rigorous, rigorously against um, multiple um, pro-slavery um, laws and penal codes to maintain them in California so that she could then um, be promoted um, politically to where she is now and um, where she wants to go. So she, I don't really trust Kamala that much. Um, I dealt with her a lot um, through cases in California, and she wasn't a friend to us at all. The bail um, The bail um, actual Senate bills and um, the legislative bills, they don't look like they're going to put a big dent into the cash bail system, they will. But Mm -hmm. um, what they're really trying to do is shift lower level people who are in there for trolley tickets, who are in Mm -hmm. there for um, a lot of different, um, how can I say it? Those are not going to be um, where they're going to plead. Or not plea. Right. So, how is that going to affect all of the false pleas we get so that a person can just get out of jail and get back to their life? How right. is that person going to live up to an assessment when they're wrongfully in jail and they can't get out? So, I wish we would go deeper into how many people are there who are wrongfully convicted, or even I know myself, just people who said, I needed to get out of jail. I'm just going to go mm-hmm. ahead, and they said if I do this, they'll plead me down to s- some simple felony. I'll be on probation, and I'll be out of jail. I can go about my life. Not understanding systematic- systematically how now they're not going to be able to get a job, they're not going to be able to get an apartment, and all of the other things that are going to happen, and how aggressive right. probation is when they come in 15 deep with guns blazing to your house.
8: Yeah.
5: So what sort of think we're efforts are
8: you are you involved in to sort of like resist? Uh, I don't know, to resist all the things that you're talking about.
5: One of the biggest ones, of course, is um, the fact that we understand that all of this comes from slavery and the fact that this country is still pro-slavery and the 13th Amendment and the ramifications around that. Um, Other ways, um, we try to listen to the prisoners. Besides being abolitionists, when we're dealing with reform, we try to listen to the people that are most affected by reform. And although prisoners um, do see bail and the importance in that, they also see more just district attorneys that are more important to them. They see voting Mm -hmm. rights for prisoners that are more important to them. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to practice any form of reform, and we understand that sometimes reform is needed, I think it should be something that the people that are most impacted um, Mm -hmm. have said this is something that we would like. Um, Mm -hmm. Abolishing Mm -hmm. bail, period, I think would be, I mean, if I'm innocent until proven guilty, I'm innocent until proven guilty. Mm -hmm. So how do we look at that? To me, unless you're in there because you're killing people and then you have, that's a public safety issue, then of course we need to look at things. But some of the things that we're, we're, we're putting people in jail for, making them sit in jail for, it doesn't make any sense. I had a girl in there who ended up paying two, three bails because they said that she had... They, the bail bondsman gave her the wrong date, and this happens a lot, I heard, and we found when talking to people, and then they said it, but the judge still locked the woman, this mother, this African mother up, and then made her pay, pay another bail, another 10%. She lives in low-income housing. She's paying 2000 1500 2000 and none of this is refundable. So I think that's yeah. something that we really need to look at, bailing people out, period, um, until we can really make a dent in this criminal injustice system and abolish bail. I think it's going to be important. So what you're doing, I see the importance, because we're not giving the system money. We're bailing right, people we're bailing out. People well, I'm out.
8: hoping. Yeah. And we're
5: going to pay right. 100% exactly. bail and get all that money back. And right, that's exactly. something that we and need I to think know. The, yeah,
8: I think the, the first point that you made, too, about bail just like very clearly being an extension of slavery is a super important one and one that I don't see being talked about um, sort of uh, in public as much as I would like it to be. I think it's an obvious thing um, for anyone that is affected by by bail and by the police and by the state um, but I've been surprised in sort of like talking to people around this app like it's not clear to a lot of white people that the exchange that's happening around bail is cash for freedom which has obvious obvious ties to slavery and it's been astounding to me in interacting with people who aren't affected by um by mass incarceration or who believe themselves to not be fact, affected by it because of course everyone's affected by it like that it doesn't seem like that clicks for people and it's it's i just am and grateful that you're emphasizing it um and i think we need to keep emphasizing
0: it whether or not they become victims it still impacts them because as taxpayers, they're paying taxes to maintain yeah. it. So they still paying into it, even if they're not the primary target. Definitely. So if they think they're not, Definitely. not affected. And then when or you they do, have their
8: investment accounts that are like investing in private prisons.
0: And, and then in the cases where they do settle lawsuits and someone had been bringing this up. Um, I can't remember who is it, who's the police not paying for it i saw it on social media somebody was raising a point the police do the police pay out these multi-million dollar lawsuits for wrongful deaths let alone wrongful convicted? no it comes out of the, and then it comes out of the city's yeah. budget yeah and then well who provides the city budget brother you the
7: taxpayer
0: so do is that affecting mm-hmm. these people that she's describing
7: I was sorry. I was reading
0: something. Which people was she describing? Because I was reading. Though she she people who are are uh, non black, just say white people in the context of the racist system called white supremacy established to keep slavery going. Gotta make that that point. Yeah point there, but she's yeah. talking about white people who they know they're not going to be racially profiled, their chances of getting these tickets and picked up just based on where they may live, and and so they're not right. as concerned, but I'm, I would be interested to talk to them because I'm still appreciative if they're providing the technology and what they do know to, you know, whether they want to call it charity or, or whatever they want to call mm-hmm. it, I want to make that clear uh, even if they're not mm-hmm. convinced or see how they are impacted by slavery or think that they can't become yeah. victims because we've highlighted uh, uh, people who are classified as white who have been gassed to death in these prison cells. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And Max, if you would take yeah. us to break, we can continue the conversation and adjust, you know, loving this conversation with Maya and um, take us to the break and we'll come back on the other side and continue the conversation. Max?
4: yes sir you're listening to new abolitionist radio on the black talk radio network we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after these messages
5: Radio Network. Stay tuned.
2: And I'm out to get it. I know some of you ain't with it. This party started right in '66 with a pro-black radical mix. Then at the hour of '12, some force got up power and emerged from hell. It was your so-called government that made us a girl like the graphic devils devil work. "What? Yeah, yeah, you're right. party for your right to fight." Yeah. he had king in that setup also the party with Huey, Cleaver, and you he ended so get up time to get him back you got it get back on the track you got it work right from the honor elijah muhammad know you ought to be black boy. Oh, yeah, yeah for your right
0: The for the past years, it is time for us to do whatever is you You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com.
4: And welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. We've been here tonight with Maya Benyam, a senior editor of the New Inquiry and co creator of Bail Block. And we've been talking about uh, how Bail Block works, the reason we need something like that because of
0: Max, your voice is is going in and out. Let me uh, mute you again, bring you back in. Sometimes that clears up. Okay Max uh, can you?
4: Oh, Did you hear anything that I said In that, that yeah, we last segment there? It, but, <laughs> but it tailed off
0: <laughs> So
4: take two oh, Okay <laughs> We're back here with my opinion Part of me today Is not like this all the time But I've been working on Ohio Where we're building an abolitionist compound We're also creating the conditions Not only to educate that community And give them something to be proud of Regarding their history But to train others across the nation and then to create an exchange of ideas and people between the United States here in Ohio and out in Ghana. So there's been some traveling going on and popping it wherever I can put it at and going, you know, getting things done. So forgive me, it may be like this for a week or two more. All right. So, yeah, it, your first time listening and your first time here as a guest, Maya, I apologize for all of the confusion in that case. It's not always like Oh, this.
8: no, no worries. There's no um, confusion.
4: Well, one of the things that uh, that I like is we have found another resource where we can create wealth of some sort to be used for mm-hmm. whatever reasons that we need to use them for. Um, so mm-hmm. when we start putting things Abolitionist movement We could use some help over there in Ohio Putting this thing together We've got an $800,000 property With five and a half acres Built on the first Martin Luther King Drive In the United States of America In uh, Newcomers wow. Town, Ohio And the property was owned By the brother-in-law Of John Brown Abolitionist John Brown And it was mm-hmm. used as an as a Destination point Where people would Come from Ohio, go to Alabama or southern states who had been involved with the convict leasing system or former slaves who just could not make it in the south and bring them back to the north mm-hmm. and give them opportunities. We're bringing all mm-hmm. that back. So keep us in mind.
8: Cool. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So any other yeah, questions? Yeah, I mean, something no? like. Go th- Sorry, go ahead.
4: I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue.
8: Oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead.
4: I was asking my co-questions that they'd like to ask you if there was something that you wanted to add in particular, or to leave us with, uh, you know, so people can participate as readily as possible, or if there was something else that you wanted to say.
8: Um, sure. I mean, um, the only thing that I was going to say about um, generating generating wealth um, is that something that I like about bail block um, is that you can sort of force the institutions that cause you hardship whether it's your place of employment um somewhere that you go to school if it's the gentrifying coffee shop in your neighborhood if you use bail block in those locations then because you're you're using electricity basically to generate money you're forcing those institutions to donate money toward bail
0: can you you say that again explain that again so what sure. do, so, do you, uh, you mean yeah yeah please go um ahead. are you saying like Definitely. i could go and take my laptop let's say i go and use the wi-fi somewhere or plug up somewhere plug my laptop up mm-hmm. into an outlet in a business that i'm generating um like you just described please say that again
8: right so the way that mining for cryptocurrency works is it uses computing power and therefore electricity to mine for those currencies and then generate money toward bail. That's the way BailBlock works. And so if you use BailBlock or if you use your computer in a place like, say, a gentrifying coffee shop or your place of employment, anywhere where you're allowed to use the electricity, then you're forcing them, because they're the people who pay the electricity bills, you're forcing them to donate that money toward bail. Um, And so that's what's really cool about it to me. I mean, you can run it at home, too, and your electricity bill will go up probably $1, and you'll be donating $3 toward uh, bail. But if you use it at an institution, then you're also forcing them to give money toward bail. Um, And so that's what I kind of like about it, too, is that you you can extract money from these institutions that might otherwise either invest in private prisons or be opposed to abolition. Um, you can kind of force them to to reroute their funds toward bail. I, can
1: I
7: really, see that. really like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting up shopping cool. McDonald's. McDonald's every day now. <laughs> I love it.
5: Now, tell us, you said how to, you know, somebody said, Yusef said earlier that you could have a more powerful kind of um, machine going, but it makes your electricity like, yeah, go so, up higher.
8: Yeah, so with if you're mining for something like, like Bitcoin, then you need to have a very powerful machine um that's mining for it. But with okay. Monero, which is the cryptocurrency currency that we're mining for, you actually you can only do it on um a computer, like consumer grade computer, so like laptops that individuals that would own. Um we do have some someone recently got in touch with us because they have um a a computer that's run off of solar power that is like pretty heavy duty and so they think it could do wow. a bunch of mining for bail block which yeah. would be really cool because it's it would cool. have zero environmental impact and would be generating money from the power of the sun which is really really wild okay. um, but yeah that's I what I think is like yeah
9: sure uh,
7: and, and you may not know you may have to check with the uh... The tech guys, but mm-hmm. is, is, uh, Montero, was it Montero, Montero? Monero. <laughs> Monero. Is, is it compatible okay. with, uh, Coinbase? Because I use Coinbase as my wallet.
8: Yeah, you can't, it's, you can't, uh, use it with Coinbase. I think Coinbase is only Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. Um, you'd have okay. to use, like, Bittrex or something.
0: Okay, okay. quick question. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Is there an app in the works? Is there an app existing now? Is anybody thinking about because most people have cell phones and I could easily more conspicuously go into a McDonald's or even on my job anywhere, yeah. like I'm charging it up. So can is that in the works or is it something out there yeah, now? Yeah, it,
8: it isn't. It is in the works. Um, we're working on an app for cell phones and then also for gaming devices. Um, Because, you know, gamers are often, they're using so much energy and we want to reroute that energy toward getting money for bail. So those are the two things that are sort of in the works. Um, But yeah, I hear you. People are always on their phones and are always charging their phones in places that aren't their homes. So that seems like the next thing to kind of tap into and we're working on it.
4: What do you do when you run out of people to bail out? When nobody's left to bail out, they've all been bailed out. What happens then?
8: That's that's the ideal. I mean, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. hope we well, wish,
7: yep, wish to have that problem. Cause yeah, we wish to have that problem because the machine will still exactly. be
4: running. You know what I mean? It'll be mining data and all of this energy.
8: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at that point, if that ever were to happen, we would be super happy and would definitely just shut off the. Uh,
7: you would shut off? No, no, the thing. But no off. we would shut it off. Sorry? Yeah, I was going to say, no, we should no. shut it off because, you know, we have other yeah, things. That we of, of, yeah, we can generate money you know. for it. Yeah, it's true. It's, I mean, it's and feasible. also
8: Yeah.
1: It's, it's feasible
8: yeah. that and could there's so many? With...
4: <laughs> that's okay. You go ahead. You're the guest. Go ahead. <laughs>
8: Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, there there are plenty of, obviously, many, many things that need to happen before that happens. I think another thing that we want to do is um, most of these bail funds can only post bail for people that have been convicted of misdemeanors. Um, Right now, charity, uh, money that's generated through charity, which is what the state calls it, it can only be used to post bail for uh, people who have been convicted, or sorry, people who have been charged with misdemeanors. And so something that we want to figure out, too, is like how to partner with people who are posting bail for people who have been convicted of felonies, or sorry, who have been charged with felonies, um, just because it's, it is a huge problem that most of the bail funds that exist now cannot post bail for for pe- for people that have been charged with felonies.
5: Mm-hmm. Have you dealt with and they might not be felonies? I just automatically assume they did. Um, Southerners on New Ground song. Hmm. Southerners
8: on New Ground is that what it's
5: called? Yes, song, and they do the national bailouts. They're the ones who started that when they did the Black Mama oh, okay. bailout on Mother's Day. Hmm. And Jay Z and different things. I've never seen them say they don't give money. Um, they don't bail out felonies, but I didn't look that closely.
8: Hmm. hmm. I'll check that out. Um. Yeah, I know a lot of the smaller bail funds um, that are run out of uh, just in, like, smaller m- municipalities, not the, the national bailout. I know that they are mostly posting bail for uh, people that have been charged with misdemeanors, but but I'll check that out for sure.
4: Okay. Well, we're. Uh, I think we're going to end up in our interview here. We want to remind you that you can participate in
0: this. Uh, we just got a question the website on the one board, Max. I'm sorry. Uh,
8: uh, it be, is com.
0: All right. Scotty, you were saying? We have a caller from New York.
4: Oh, okay. Well, welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. Maybe they have a quick question before you exit. All right. Welcome to yes, New yes, Abolitionist please. Radio. Oh, that sounds like tag.
11: Yes, yes. Peace, What's brother, Max. Peace to the sky
0: and peace to the guests. Peace,
11: Craig. Pardon. So I'm I'm just stepping into the broadcast mad late, but I was looking at the description and i am just very encouraged, at, uh, you know, by what I'm seeing behind it. So I just really felt uh, like calling in and at least asking what would be the best way to go about. Uh, getting in touch with heads um, as far as you know, supporting uh, this work and organizing around it. Great, I'm I'm
8: glad to hear that that you dig it. Um, you can send us an email at bailblock at thenewinquiry dot com, um, and that would be the best way to get in touch. And that that email address basically just goes to me, so <laughs> I, I can be in touch with you over email.
4: Word and and tags certainly one of those people that can help make some things happen out there for sure.
8: Cool, that's
4: awesome. that's us Well, we want to thank you uh, for being here and sharing this information. We hope it's not the last time we hear from you. Next time we hear from you, we'd like to hear that maybe you just bailed out a thousand people and you went beyond Brooklyn and Bronx. You know what I mean? And now you're you know, yeah, working out California so you know, or New Jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, that's I would love to hear that. So much success in it. And uh, keep us in mind over here because we could always use some help great. too in yeah. this abolitionist movement. Scotty, I will Lailer, for sure. You thank listen? you so much for having me. Indeed, yes. Thank
8: you. I really appreciate it. It was it. nice Indeed.
0: speaking with you, Maya.
8: Great, and I'll be listening Thanks. to future broadcasts. So, thank you.
7: Thank you. Hey, uh, Maya, I sent you a friend request, If you could please accept it so I can add you into some of our groups.
8: Yeah, definitely. I, so I will. You
7: can do, You that know. You know, see what we have going on and keep in touch. Definitely,
4: that sounds great. Thank you so much. We're gonna to have to do some uh, for the re- remaining segments. We'll probably have to squeeze in some quick stories. There's uh, so much that has happened in the past week, as always. And if you want to follow the stories that we aren't, don't have the time to share or are able to put out there today, you can always go to our uh, community dot dot com. Become a member for $24 a year. It helps to keep this thing going. And you never have to worry about Facebook jail. Everything that we do for the planning for the week is right there in the list. So kind of call it our cutting room floor. <laughs> Trust me, it is stressful trying to figure out what stories well, you're supposed man, to tell me... when all of them are so important. This week, for instance, Scotty, Leila, and Yusuf, Maya, even, and, and everybody's listening i have been doing some research on the slave trade in general not necessarily the illegal kind but just looking at what's happening across the world in slavery we just left libya a mess where videos are out right now where black libyans are being sold for 400 freaking dollars and and you can see images of slavery that remind you of the early 1700s and 1600s and 1800s that are happening to these libyans and it's not limited to just libya these uh this, in Haiti, there's an adoption agency that's part of our stories listed today, where they are literally selling Haitian children to these adoption agencies. Then there's another adoption a- agency that's stealing children from Uganda and selling them here in the United States. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a family in Ohio that got one of these Ugandan yeah, I, I children. I think we did that uh, story,
0: actually. We did that. We uh, highlighted that story. Yes, it might have been last yes, we week did. or or the week before but I just want to say on Libya, I understand the main so-called corporate mainstream news outlets have been circulating that story on Libya, and I've been seeing more people talk about it on social media, but I've been seeing a lot of activity of, on my videos where I made a video reporting on it back in April. And then years before that, it's been going on since 2011 when they took yes. it over. We so spoke about it when we first
4: described it. the stories of the black Libyans being fed flags while in cages. Yeah, the videos are, are on YouTube.
0: Yep. On YouTube, and the United States stood by and let that happen. And just now, I don't know what flipped the switch or or why all of a sudden. And I'm thankful for it. Uh, the coverage of Libya now and I'm glad that people are becoming aware of it but it's been going on for quite some time but you know I did a report on it in April and you know people I don't know if they didn't believe me or you know it just take that validation from hearing Don Lemon or or whoever their favorite uh, TV personality is you know bringing it up and and then you know they'll be uh, looking it up and, and getting interested Sometimes
4: it takes information a while to get out. I just found out today that Dubai, you know, the city that reminds me so much of Babylon, just built overnight. Much of it was built through slave labor. I didn't know that. And they still use slave labor. They have uh, some of the videos that are coming out of Dubai about, you know, the people that they're using in slave labor projects out there. It's amazing. So you got Dubai that's going on and in Saudi Arabia as well. So this this thing is all over the world. It's all over the world.
0: I want to see if I can uh, find a video. As I mentioned, they ha- they are producing cotton. Two stories related to cotton, since a lot of people associate cotton with chattel slavery. Now, Houston, I I uh, came across an article where the uh, hurricane, whichever one it was. Irma or Harvey damaged up to and and man the numbers correlate um, or similar but uh, at least 500 million I I forget how many millions worth of cotton got destroyed in Texas that was produced and picked grown and picked by prison slaves in Texas okay I mean yeah in Texas and then the other one of my YouTube subscription channels, and let me just go go to YouTube. I'm gonna, that'll be the quicker way to, to find it. And let me play this for you, because again, Max coming up, he talked about going to Ghana. Uh, our guest uh, has roots in Ethiopia. He even mentioned how her father had been been arrested, and you know it is global. And I understand Max, you talked about last week. The prisoners in where was that Brazil going on hunger strike, protesting Brazil, yes, against, protesting against slavery. So I'm waiting on you to 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 load up, but that isn't. Roland Martin's not talking about that, and I'm not picking on Roland Martin because I know he has a boss, and his boss is Captain Hughes at the end of the day, and but they are supposed to be the so-called black. Playing the role of abolitionists back in the day with the newspapers and people telling it like it is, even up to with the Panthers National, uh, paper. But you know today what's p- passing off as black media? Yeah, they share stuff more than others about racism, but they don't make the connections to slavery and then these prison abuses. They don't spend enough time, in my opinion, uh, anyone uh, on talking about it. What What do you all think? Um, I think that you're right they don't
4: I think there are those who do like if I was to say who really mm-hmm. knows about slavery and human trafficking I would look right at the young Turks and then I could also say right after that who really knows about slavery and human trafficking but act like they don't passing off as black you know I mean? media
0: yeah they yeah sorry about that um let me go to black talk radio that's where uh, it is posted at and let me find it there but we have to discuss these things and I was being sarcastic when I put it out there and I said don't tell me this prison slavery in Uganda is kinder and gentler than what the white men practicing and you know sometimes that's just part of my personality I, I have a smart mouth and I get cynical sometimes and but I mean it just blew my mind man and and it's just a lot of people don't know about it. I'm still trying to find it, guys. So if there's anything else y'all wanted to bring up in the meantime, please do.
4: Well, the other stories that I'll be sharing, and then you can go to our uh, Facebook page, New Abolitionist Radio, or our community, Black Talk Radio Network, and you can see these stories. But it's the you know, a lot of talk, talk right now about sexual Harassment, sexual abuse, and, and on and on and on. A lot of these politicians are straight-up guilty of doing this for years and years and years, including pedophilia. But what's not being talked about is what's happening behind the bars of these prisons to the women that are in the prisons. So there's three stories, at least one of uh, two of them we've talked about before, in Florida where uh, the title says you play their game or you get raped, and it's the stories of women in Florida who are being abused by the prison guards and staff out there then there's another one, of course, from Tutwiler, Alabama, where the women for the past 10 years have been abused and brutalized and had to trade in sexual favors for just things that they need to exist on a day-to-day basis. And that's happening out in Alabama right now. And also Rikers Island. Where the women's on Rikers Island, the same thing. And these, you know, they have been complaining, they have been talking about it, and nobody's listening. But you'll listen to something that happened from 30 years ago. We're talking about these women being... Brutalized and abused and sexually exploited like it was eighteen twelve all over again,
0: okay, and I found going to talk uh, about
4: these things they need to be out there,
0: yeah, I found the video and I got a couple of i I just throw these in as my contribution to the news section, but I got two uh videos I want to play. This one is about the prisons engaging in large-scale cotton production in Uganda, because it is an international movement, and we do need to build those bridges. Max, even I mean, excuse me, um, Malcolm X even talked about building those bridges, you, uh, getting African uh, people to push their leaders to bring up these issues in the UN, and and then you know just pointing out to even the people themselves in Africa that slavery wasn't even abolished on the continent. Uh, Africa. So, and then we'll talk about. I'll play the video of the slave catcher who put where fifteen men just got out of jail on wrongful convictions, as Layla was bringing up. And actually, this one detective and his 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 buddies and they were robbing drug dealers and then planting drugs on on black men. And he and and he's black, uh, a black slave catcher. And fifteen men just got out, but it could be up to a thousand. Uh, cases that he might have been involved in what what did
4: you say just then Scotty did you ask me something
0: Uh, no I didn't ask you anything I I, uh, mistakenly uh, said your name while I was trying to say (laughs) Malcolm X but uh, this is prisons engaging in large scale cotton production again what's going on here is going on in Texas based on another report
6: region of northwestern Uganda it's one of the major prison farms of the 55 spread across Uganda the prison has about 500 inmates the total farm acreage is 800 acres and 400 is used for cotton growing coffee and cotton were Uganda's traditional exports on which the country heavily relied for foreign exchange but following the collapse of farmers cooperative societies many farmers abandoned cotton growing. The
10: farmers, local farmers, opted for quick yield uh, uh, and and quick money-minting crops.
6: On 12 May 2016, President Chorim Seven ordered the Uganda Prison Service to increase the cotton production to make more raw material available to stop the importation of second-hand clothes and promote the local textile industry.
10: He quickly noticed that prisons as an institution of government has such a big chunk of land, has labor and capacity to help resuscitate those factories that were majoring in uh, cotton products.
6: The Uganda Prison Service spokesman Frank Baine says the institution now has the capacity to supply up to 80% of the quantity of cotton needed in across the country.
10: We are projecting that by the end of next year, we should be comfortable producing uh, about 6,700
6: bales. Bainé urged more Ugandans to consider growing cotton and take advantage of the prevailing high prices.
10: The average price now of cotton is 1,680. That's a good price. And uh, fortunately, this time round, is not like then where this cotton would be removed and they would separate but this one is taken wholesale
6: <laughs> Ragem prison farm also serves as a decongestion and skilling farm for inmates from other prisons
10: in the process of producing this cotton the prisoners are are, are are participated and they are educated on what to do at what stage how to do it and the end point and we hope that when these people have go, go back, they will actually uh, join the struggle to produce for the industries. I used to dig the there at uh, our village, but I don't have experience for, for, for digging it there. So when I reach here, I learn a lot of things here.
6: The officer in charge of Ragem Prison Assistant Superintendent of Prison Emmanuel Nwagaba says the inmates here not only learn new skills but also earn from their labor on the farm.
10: Today a prisoner goes out to work. He earns the unskilled earn one hundred shillings. The semi skilled, those who have some developed skills. My name is they get two fifty. Then the skilled ones get five hundred. That money also helps them in as they are here, they can use it for buying a few things they need, then the balance is given to them as they are being released.
6: The Uganda Prison Service requires 350 billion shillings annually to run prisons across the country, which have about 53,000 inmates and 9,000 members of staff in 253 prison units. The annual prison's budget is 158 billion shillings, leaving a deficit of 55%. This is partly covered by the non-taxable revenue generated from the various projects the prison service runs across the country. Aaron Mukama, NTV Weekend Edition.
1: Gibson, I'm just happy for me and my friends that someone gave us the opportunity to look at our cases to understand that what Watts was really doing to us.
7: There's been 26 convictions overturned that have been connected to Sergeant Watts and his crew. One of the patterns that you saw routinely was that uh, Watts and his team would plant extraordinary amounts of drugs on them, class X amount of drugs, uh, which is uh, the top level felony.
1: If you're not going to pay Watts, you're going to jail. That's just the way it was gonna go. If you're not gonna pay them, you're going to jail. I just feel like right now, it's a brand new beginning for me. I can start over do what I wanna do. In these cases, we concluded that unfortunately, the police were not
7: being truthful and we couldn't have confidence in the integrity of their reports and their testimony. And so in good conscience, we could not
4: see these convictions stand. There's no way of getting away from them. They would plant drugs on you, they would beat you. Uh, They came to court and testified in my case. They got on the stand as a credible police officer. And all the time, it was nothing but lies.
7: These convictions stick with you. You can't get the time back you served. You can't get, um, it affects your ability to get jobs. Housing. I'd like it to be one message of what I think will be many messages to the people of this county to tell them that they can and should
1: trust and work with the criminal justice system to make this county a better place. My name is Leonard Gibson.
0: All right, so that was the report from Uganda looks just like slavery right here in the United States. These models are being duplicated across the planet. And then you heard from the victims of this uh, Chicago slave catcher that was Cook County. Um, I do not uh, advise anybody to trust uh, these prosecutors or these district attorney offices, uh, even when you elect someone, because they did... Uh, elect a new person, I think her name is Kim Fox or something like that a new DA um, you still don't trust them but you keep pushing them on these sort of cases and, and eventually get these, get them to open up integrity uh, uh, divisions in their department and vacating these wrongful convictions but I'd like to get Layla's thoughts on that
5: it it's something that I have seen um, it always happens we see it a lot I've seen where I can actually tell that the police have planted whether it's fingerprints or drugs or something of that nature but it's the system is built on ensuring that most of those convictions stick so it shows it's a fundamental issue with the entire system um, what happened um, with these guys is just demonstrating what 's been going on across the nation, and they happen to just get one instead of realizing that that 's kind of the norm, maybe he got a little bit out of control where they were only sticking drugs on people or fingerprint evidence in order to get convictions. He wanted money or they wanted money, but still the the false imprisonment, and the evidence planning is something that is done throughout the nation. And it's one of the biggest reasons why um, communities of color have zero trust in the police and law enforcement. You guys still there? You hear me? Yes,
0: I'm sorry. Uh, I I read it. Okay, we have you back, Max. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, so Max, you'll be going to Ghana, man. Uh, See if they, I'm sure they have prisons in Ghana or you wouldn't be going there and you wouldn't have been invited there. But see, if they, if the state is running something similar like we just heard from Uganda, your thoughts?
4: Well, you got two different stories going on here as well as the brilliant comment from uh, Layla. But the first story with the Uganda thing, that, that kind of blew my mind because what they're basically doing is recreating the 1800s models of cotton farming that America had going on and using their prisoners instead as a way... Uh, As I I keep saying over here Week after week Economic development program Using slavery as an economic development program To enrich our whole society On the backs of the people Who will be picking that cotton I think that is a crime against humanity Um I think that the African nations should look into this deeper because they're not doing it out of the kindness of their heart. Trust me this is not something to help the prisoners it always ends up being something to help the corporations that are behind it making all the money. And then the other story which with the 15 guys who were recently released, that's a pretty amazing story. It reminds me of the other one that happened uh, what was the name of the other uh, officer out there in the Chicago area? Burke? Was it Burke, Scotty? Who was responsible for all these false incarcerations where they literally was like using pliers on people's testicles, on a 14, 15 year old boy's testicles, or electrocuting them yes, and things John like that?
0: J O N B U R G E, Mark Clemens, of uh, No More uh-huh. uh, Death Penalty. Uh, he runs that out of Chicago. Uh, he's a friend. He's in uh, New Abolition. Now, excuse me. He's in our yes. group, moved to abolish 21st century slavery. But he's one of Burge's victims.
4: Right. And and this reminds me of that. It's just another case of another guy in the same area doing the same exact thing. And now we have, I believe, up to 30 men that have are being exonerated. It, uh, there's a quote in there that says that issues are the actions of Sergeant Ronald Watts and his team, made more than a thousand arrests. According to the Tribune, there are reportedly more than 400 convictions tainted by Watts and his men, uh, according to one of the lawyers for some of the men that have been exonerated. We're talking about lifetimes that are just destroyed, and it doesn't stop with just those men, because you're not talking about you know someone who's out here robbing and stealing and killing and murdering and all that. You're just talking about an innocent dude that didn't do anything, and you just destroyed their lives. And you can't give them that time back. So Chicago's already responsible for one of the highest uh, payments, uh, class action payments, I believe, just recently with the people we were just talking about. And now it looks like they're going to be susceptible to a second. And that's not even their money because none of these detectives, none of these cops, none of these prosecutors are coming out their pocket to pay off these settlements. It's always the taxpayer that's paying for our own demise to destroy the fa- our family members' lives. So Yeah, that's how I feel about that second story. Well, one thing
0: about that second story, I wouldn't necessarily, I would describe these these victims, the one that spoke, one of them clearly spoke that he was involved in the underground drug trade. And so I call them prisoners of politics because of the drug war. You make it so black men, even if they don't, I mean, the study's been done, even if a black man has a college education, or a high school diploma and he's going up against a white convict that white convict is more likely to get that job than that black person So we, our people are forced through economics to engage in certain economic activity that isn't approved of by the state, but is being profited off of by the state. So I wouldn't necessarily say they were innocent, except for they're innocent in a sense that, to me, it wasn't a crime to begin with, unless miners was involved. Unless they murdered somebody and they were in there for that or raped someone or, uh, you know, a crime against humanity. But no, it seemed like these people were engaged in the underground entrepreneurship, which leads me to a question I wanted to ask Layla. It was something that came up on Tanya Free and Friends, one of her questions. Um, and um, they she ran a segment where she was talking about in california law has been passed i can't tell you what state what county i mean excuse me what city or what county but where former people who had been locked up on cannabis charges nothing else but related to cannabis were given preferential treatment to get cannabis license to open up cannabis businesses and dispensaries even medicinal uh have can you tell us anything about that
5: And I want to make sure I heard you right. You're saying that people that they had cannabis um, convictions, convictions, but that's it? Were given preferential treatment?
0: Yes. It's a program designed to give them first crack at the license uh, before, I guess, it's open up to the public. But giving them assistance and getting their license.
5: Oh, I knew it was going to be somewhere in Los Angeles or Oakland. San Diego is too conservative. Um, I haven't heard of that, but I'm going to definitely look into it, and it's because there are so many people of color who have been given these convictions and haven't been able to get jobs and employment and have suffered economically, while then, when it's okay, some other people, uh, primarily white men, are able to then come into an industry and then just make boatloads of money. And it's unfair. So I know places like Oakland and Los Angeles, Compton, those kind of areas are really looking at that. And what has happened because of the laws and how now you're going to let these people, the same, you're going to let them get millions, right. but you've destroyed their lives. And right. it's in a matter of five to 10 years. Come on people.
0: Here is and so Oakland. I see that. O- I, there's an article I Google. Oakland gives weed convicts opportunity to open marijuana businesses as reparations. That's the title of the article.
5: Yeah, Oakland's no joke. They don't play.
4: You might have to snope that one too. I don't know if there was any controversy or whether it was actually true or not. It's true. It's true. It's
0: it's true. Um, No, we don't have to snope it. It's true. Okay.
4: And I'm only being metaphoric with the snope.
0: Well, Matt, all right, well,
8: we got we
4: 10 minutes, get... a little more than 10 minutes left, Scotty. We've got three segments to do. We mm-hmm. missed a bunch of stories. I really would have liked to get out there, but make sure you visit us at New Abolitionist Radio, both on Facebook and also at community.blacktalkradionetwork.com, so you can see all the stuff that we weren't able to get out there. Our main purpose, I think, uh, we achieve every week is to give you the idea and understanding of what we're dealing with with this 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and how its tendrils touch every part of our lives it seems like including the lives of those across the globe
0: well max we do got a caller and if we need to take some uh five ten minutes extra to get through those three segments we could do that uh shout out to sister black rose and feather light uh who are are currently moving themselves max so mind body and spirit radio is not on air tonight uh, they were off last week and also tonight. So, but we do got a caller, area code six four six. If you wanted to uh, add to the conversation, please
11: join us. Oh, much much appreciated. This is Tag again. Peace.
4: Peace. All right, Tag.
11: Peace. Yeah, just very concisely. I just wanted to uh, beg pardon and also say peace to sister Layla as well as brother Youssef. I, I hadn't heard y'all. As yet on the broadcast, because I, I literally had had just chimed in.:
5: Hi, how are you?
11: Thank you.: Yes, sir. No, no question. and uh while while I'm uh, on the call, I just wanted to shout out uh, your book suggestion, Brother Max. Um, the Work by Richards. I started to check it out, and it's definitely fascinating and had some useful information for sure. Definitely, uh, in keeping with a lot of what's discussed on the on the broadcast all the time, as well as you know the many revealing layers of, um, I guess, self uh, obscurantism or, or self self blinders uh, as regards the nature of the Thirteenth Amendment in, in reality versus the fiction that's perpetuated.
4: Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, brother, for looking into that. Indeed. was was there anything else uh tag
11: no not necessarily just dope show as always and and um great looks for all that y'all do and, and please uh keep up the good work i i'll definitely be following up uh with these heads that y'all had on about this initiative that they're doing that's um that's extremely worthwhile uh from what it sounds like
0: all right tag well, we Thank do you, have man. another caller max uh Eric Cole one.
4: it's always nice when someone calls in and, and lets us know that we're doing something that matters, you know, and it touches them in some way or helps them to achieve whatever they're trying to achieve. Scotty, you said that we have another caller?
0: Yes, Erico, four 401. Thank you for calling in. Please share with us, add to the conversation.
9: Um, hey, everybody. It's J9 in, in uh, Rhode Island. Um, really nice to Jay? Welcome um, uh, yeah, I'm really <laughs> Uh, about how everything, the whole side I found about fascinating and I'm so thankful that um, you all had her on the phone today to explain how that worked because I didn't even understand how it worked and she explained it so well um, so that was really great I just wanted to provide a quick um, update about um, the issues around how that couple in the car and the police basically assassinated the two folks well, one person, the other person's still in the hospital in Rhode Island um, on November 10th. And no one is really being held accountable, per usual. And now they're starting to say that they have recovered drug paraphernalia from the truck and a big screen TV. Um, and they're trying to make it out like um, that the individual who was murdered by the police was some sort of criminal, and that's why 40 shots on a crowded highway, um, you know, uh, was justified. So we're still looking for answers here, and we're not getting it, and um, the media has been talking to people about it in the immediate aftermath, because it happened on November 9th. Um, and there was a woman who the police actually pulled out of the car who was next to this truck um, before they let off forty shots into the vehicle. And you know, she—they cut her interview off because she was questioning and she's thinking about doing why on earth the police unleash 40, 40 shots into a truck on a crowded highway when they created this whole. Um, Scenario where one person lost their life and the other person, the passenger in the car, is still in the hospital. Um, so there's no there's no real positive movement other than the typical. He was, you know, a person who was struggling with drug addiction, and they're Attack both criminals. He's so yeah, he's you know, and he, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah attack them after you That's and, what they did with Mike yeah.
4: Brown. But th- those that yeah. don't know what happened in Rhode Island is these cops, apparently one of them had gotten their car stolen, and that, uh, the person that stole their car allegedly they thought they saw in this white truck, get into this white pickup truck. So they had this big-ass car chase with all of these uh, police cars, some of them that were not supposed to even be involved in any kind of chase. They weren't equipped for it. It was against policy. Anyway... They went down the highway in the middle of the freaking day, ran up on this white truck that they suspected was him, and just opened fire right there with cars everywhere. I mean, they tore that car open, and they did it in such a precise way that they only broke pretty much the the, the passenger side window, the back window, and then the driver side window. The front window didn't get broken at all. They blew that man away and he never had anything to do with anything that they were looking for. He wasn't the guy. He was just he just happened to be in the wrong place when these cops were out here on a bloodlust in the middle of everyone's lives. And then they took that man's life and uh they uh dangerously injured the passenger. Who was the passenger? Was that his wife maybe? No, it was his
0: girlfriend. It was his new girlfriend.
9: Um yeah, of like four months, and she's still in the hospital. Christine Demers is her name,
0: yeah. And didn't they also try to... And uh, they probable insinu- cause, because they- this
9: is what they found in the vehicle.
0: Didn't they insinuate that he might have been armed in the early, uh, uh, when it was first oh, yeah. going yeah, down? Yeah, there
9: was, there was reports that he was armed, and there was a gun in the truck. Um, and, you know, you're never supposed to read the comments, but I read the comments, um, and people are... <laughs> Of the mindset that they deserve, that he deserved this because he was clearly a criminal, clearly someone whose life was just snuffed out um, because he had a criminal history, which they brought up right away. His mugshot—they used his mugshot. Right. You know the yeah, typical. He shouldn't thing have
4: been a twelve-year-old boy playing with a gun in the park, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, shouldn't have been yeah, a twelve-year-old right? boy that playing with like a toy man. gun in the park. Mm. Uh-huh. That's the anniversary today. That's the same narrative that they yeah. provide every time. Criminalize you after death. They justify yeah. what they have done after they've done it. It's better to seek and forgiveness another, than ask permission. That's how they roll.
9: Well, and then another update on a situation that happened in Rhode Island a little while ago um, where two administrators in separate incidents uh, were stepped down um, in high school because they physically assaulted students for, quote unquote, breaking up a fight. And the police, even though the 15-year-old boy, they were they were physically restrained him. Um, they like broke his nose, like busted his jaw. The 15-year-old boy, right, who's my son's age, right, 15 years old, um, he's getting charged with assault. But this grown man, administrator, the police are not filing charges. There were two separate incidences in two separate high schools. One of them went viral. Um,
0: but there's going to be no charges. No charges. Yeah, so. unfortunately, that happens every day. But we do got to get to yeah, per
9: the
0: usual some of our other segments. But I want to remind Max, though, before we yeah. close out. And Tag brought up our Thank title. Um, tomorrow or this week, people have been given... Uh, opportunity to take some time off, or or even if they say I don't want act like any employer is giving anybody anything, uh, except for those who where it don't count against your vacation time for the wage. And I don't, I'm only going to use this as a metaphor during this case. Okay, the so-called corporate plantation or the slave wage or what? Uh, you know, so they take vacation and they visit their family members on on Thanksgiving, whether or not. They celebrate Thanksgiving or not, and we should also remember the prisoners, and I want Max to uh, talk about the fact that since the march on Washington, D.C., some of the prisoners involved in helping promote that were thrown into solitary confinement, and some of them are still in solitary confinement, although one or two may have gotten out, and and entire prison systems that went on lockdown on the day of that march or preceding days before the march are still on lockdown. Max?
4: Yes, uh, Scotty. What we're talking about is the Free Alabama Movement and the brothers that helped organize the largest prison slave labor work strike in U.S. history uh, with the September 9th uh, slave labor work strike that they helped organize as well as being instrumental in the uh, March on Washington on August 19th of 2017 brothers like Melvin Ray and Kinetic Justice and uh, Tool Moja uh, for instance they have been suffering the consequences of organizing behind bars and it's not just them, South Carolina has been on full lockdown basically since the uh, Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March, same thing with Florida has happened Florida's prisons on lockdown, but these brothers in particular were at the heart of it. If you remember correctly, they had done interviews on PBS and Democracy Now! and Al Jazeera all from inside solitary confinement. You know, they had guards who went on strike along with them in the Alabama uh, strike right out there, because what they were talking about was human rights, and they had all the proof to back them up, 200% capacity in Alabama prisons. Prison slave labor exists in Alabama, and you get punished if you don't work, and then they feed you the nastiest things you can imagine, and they don't give you no health care, your, your living conditions are just you know, like ridiculous. So they were going through all of this, and they realized that the 13th Amendment might be the key to solving a lot of these problems, and uh, started organizing. In any case, we just wanted to let people know that they're suffering right now. St- some of them are still in solitary confinement right now. One brother, uh, I believe, Melvin Ray spent two years in solitary confinement. Uh, So we need to ring the bell on this and let people know what they're suffering out there and what they're going through and uh, to keep them in our hearts and minds and prayers because without what they did, without the exposure that they brought to this, a lot of these things wouldn't exist right now. There's a human cost to all of this. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, the brother told me that he was just paroled out September 11th of this year from indefinite solitary confinement, and he says that Jaja, Tao, Moja, Melvin Ray, and Connecticut Justice still, are still in solitary confinement. All right, wow. Scotty, there you have it.
0: So are there any efforts to put pressure, is there any campaigns? Yes,
4: there have been uh, some small demonstrations that have been done to try to get attention to that. Uh, Al Jazeera has helped with that by, you know, featuring them in a film and talking about what they've endured, but uh, so far... But I'm talking about the the fact that they're on lockdown,
0: that they are still being punished for, um, you know, participating in abolitionism and in solitary confinement is that being put out there was that on al jazeera so i'm just saying is there a campaign to push this in front of the media and or call make phone calls as we often do for political prisoners
4: uh i'm sure that there are you can go to their free alabama movement page they have one on facebook uh where uh, people that assist them keep it up to date on information so you can go and check it out over there and i believe they also have a uh a WordPress page as well which I'll put on new abolitionist radio they've been documenting a lot of this as it's been going along well, what about and, the other uh, places
0: what about the state of South Carolina what about uh, Florida do we know if they still on lockdown or anybody And so those are some things people out there well, that's part I've of the move to abolish 21st century slavery and human trafficking some things we could use some help researching and and just bringing that to people's attention uh, But Max, if you want to take us through The final three segments If y'all can handle the final three uh, segments uh, Layla, do you
4: have either one of them That you would like to do our in profile uh, The Rebellion, remembered, Or the Rider of the 21st Century
0: Underground Railroad Alright, we just got a call I'm from oldest right now Go ahead. We, we just pick got a call from start? We just got a call from Otis So everybody can get situated As Otis shares his thoughts with us Otis
11: Hey great program man I'm checking out that blockchain But Scotty I was trying to tell you I had—I think I told Max last week I had trouble with the hard drive I just got all that stuff back up So I got your message So just send me some more information And I'll dig in and start doing that for you The programming Okay The message. He sent me so great work, man. All right, appreciate it's it. Thank you, good, Thank you, brother. All,
2: All right.
4: right, so uh, did you pick one that you would like to do? If, and I have the uh, slave revolt in fr- right in front of me if you want me to start with that one.
5: Yes, sir, go with that
4: one. All right, today we're going to be remembering the Akwamu slave revolt of 1733. On St. John was rebellion against slavery imposed by the Danish plantation owners. The revolution started in seventeen thirty three to seventeen thirty four during which armed Aquamu slaves or enslaved individuals captured the contested Danish West Indies island of St. John. The revolt lasted for six months, also known as the seventeen thirty three slave insurrection enslaved individuals' insurrection on St. John. Inhumane treatment caused a massive and rapid call for rebellion. On November 23rd, 1733, about 150 enslaved Africans from Akwamu, presently Ghana, revolted against their Danish masters in the plantations. (laughs) Wow. The severity of this resistance made it one of the earliest and longest enslaved individual uprisings in the Americas. For several months, these enslaved Africans... Rebelled, directing their anger toward the white estate managers With the aim of overthrowing them and taking control of St. John Like most enslaved peoples' uprising in those days The Aquamu's revolt was suppressed after a major defeat in May 1734 When French and Swiss troops from Martinique came to help the Danish regain control of their estates The forces were heavily armed and trained So suppressing the revolting enslaved peoples was imminent in late August of 1734, the planters regained control of the island and the rebellion was declared over and defeated. The soldiers hunted down and killed or captured every single rebel. The British had won the claim of St. John before the Danish control government took control in 1618. The Danes established sugar plantations and large-scale farmings of plants such as cotton and indigo. At this time, the demand for sugar was high in Europe, and those sugar plantations became a gold mine to the plantation owners, since hiring labor services was so expensive. Expensive, and the Danes could not convince their motherland workers to come work for them in the West Indies, the Danish decided that slave labor was the most efficient source of energy. By mid-1733, the estate owners had developed about 109 plantations, and the slave traders had brought about 1,000 Africans from Accra. The Danes devoted one-fifth of the estates to the sugar production. By the end of that century, thanks to the increased number of enslaved Africans, the population of St. John grew to 2,500. But that never concerned the planters, as these slaves were unarmed and uneducated. By the time of the revolt, the enslaved Africans outnumbered the European inhabitants. There were 1,087 Africans to 206 Europeans, without calculating children or the elderly. Also, around this time, most plantation owners lived in St. Thomas. In their absence, the hired managers assigned to oversee the owners' properties and ascertain production and prosperity mistreated the labor providers. The cruelty of land managers planted seeds of rebellions amongst the slaves. To the advantage of the rebels, the Danish West Indies Company had provided only six soldiers to supplement the local white militia. And we hear at New Abolitionist... Radio, remember, the Aquamu Slave Revolt of 1733
7: Salute Salute You, you know what I find Funny about this article You know, because You know that it They're calling today. them That really Threw me off when you read that Just, just the fact that It was November 23rd You know and, and Ghana, but how they're calling them, uh, estate, you know, estate managers, and they have they instead of, instead of calling them, you know, uh, uh, overseers? Over, you know, the overseers and all of these things. So it's, 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 it's sort of like, you, you know the movement of how they're trying to whitewash the whole movement you know but yes. you know I'm 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 glad that this information is out there because you know most people don't know this history you know until today I never knew anything about the Aquamos uh, enslaved revolt
4: and had not been for you I wouldn't have either so thank you for that link you um, sister Layla are you ready with our uh, the next of our segments
5: Yes, sir, and which one would you like me to do? I have the abolitionist profile. Profile.
4: Uh, okay, or you could, yeah, there you go.
9: Okay.
5: And so today's abolitionist profile will be on Hetty Reckless. And she was born in slavery in Salem, New Jersey in, 19- in 1776, the daughter of Dorcas Broadley, who belonged to the wealthy Johnson family, who lived in Johnston Hall. Initially, Reckless was the property of Jane Gibson Johnson, and when she died, became her son's chattel. When Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson, renowned for his eating of tomatoes, in an era when they were thought to be poisonous, married for the second time, his wife, Juliana, mistreated Reckless. Fleeing to Philadelphia in 1826 with her daughter, Reckless sought help from the Abolition Society, claiming at first that she had been emancipated by her previous owner. She recounted that she boarded a stagecoach, like any other passenger, and rode without question from Salem to Philadelphia, resolved not to return because Johnson's wife had knocked out her front teeth with a broomstick and yanked out tufts of her hair. In Philadelphia, Reckless lived with Samuel and Eliza Clement, who were related to the Goodwins, the Quaker sisters who were pioneers of the Underground Railroad. Introduced to this circle in 1833, Reckless became a founding member of the Philadelphia Female Anti-Slavery Society, along with Grace Bastille Douglas, Sarah Maps Douglas, and Charlotte Fordham Grimke with her daughters, Fordham Grimke with her daughters. Her cherished possessions included a photograph of the members of the PFASS and a flag with anti-slavery inscriptions. Reckless also operated a safe house for the Underground Railroad on Rodman Street in Philadelphia. Her activities included supporting the establishment of Sabbath schools in the black community. Reckless felt it was important for the benevolent societies to support organizations which the African-American community had created for themselves, but improve them with educational offerings. In 1838, Reckless attended the Anti-Slavery Convention of American Women, held in Philadelphia from... The fifteenth to the eighteenth of May. Reckless was not concerned with freeing women from slavery, with not only freeing women from slavery, but from sexual exploitation as well. In eighteen forty five, she and Betty she and Hetty Burr co founded the Moral Reform Retreat to shelter women victims of vice. It was the only shelter for African American women in Philadelphia. After 1850, Reckless returned to Salem and continued her anti-slavery work, living on Market Street near the old Johnston Manor House. These activities continued through the American Civil War when in a letter from 1862 from Abigail Goodwin to William Still, Goodwin reported that Amy Reckless collected $17 more than any other contributor and was collecting clothing for fugitives. By 1880, Reckless had returned to Philadelphia and was living with, her two, with two of her daughters. She died at home on January 28, 1881. Her home was located on, at 1015 Rodman Street, which is now in the Washington Square West District of Central Philadelphia. She was aged almost 105 and left a daughter who was in her 70s. Her mind was quite sharp until the end, and she was fond of recounting that she had what she had seen, George washington that she had seen George Washington more than once. And that was I've never heard of this abolitionist before. And <laughs> me either. Thanks again
4: to you, Hassan. Yeah. Salute.
5: Thank you. Salute. Okay,
7: thank you. I mean you know. Uh One thing that jumped out at me, uh, Graceful Still Douglas, I know she was related to Paul Robeson. I I don't recall the uh, relation to it, just that just that name just jumped out at me in the article. And I have, I mean, it's just so many abolitionists that laid this path for us, and it's it's just amazing the thing. Often they they were families.
4: Yeah. Entire families that were involved, like the Browns.
7: Mm-hmm. You know, put mm-hmm. it uh,
0: so on the line every single day. So
4: I have um... Well, let's, let me finish this up with our final uh, segment of the evening, which will be our ride of the 21st Century Underground Railroad. It's real short, and simple, and out of this world with the incredulity of it all. Uh, today, a New Orleans man who has spent nearly eight years in jail waiting trial on a drug charge could be released at any moment. According to the advocate, Kevin Smith was arrested in 2010 when police say they discovered crack cocaine inside his home because Smith was on parole for an unrelated drug conviction. He was denied bail. A series of delays saw Smith spending the better part of a decade behind bars. First, the charges were dismissed. New charges were brought after prosecutors discovered evidence that should have been turned over to Smith's defense team. They restarted the clock on the statutory two-year deadline to try the case. Then Hurricane Isaac hit. Due to a state of law established after Hurricane Katrina, the two-year window was restarted again. In 2012, the case was transferred to a different department and lost in the shuffle. Years later, Smith was offered a plea deal but rejected it, maintaining his innocence in the case. He could have come home as early as January of 2015, Smith's attorney Martin Reagan said. There's a man who just steadfastly said, I don't care. You can keep me. I'm not guilty. I want a trial. On Monday, a district court judge ordered Smith's release after an appeals court ruled that prosecutors violated his right to a speedy trial, a.k.a. the Sixth Amendment. He should be released within a few days. Smith will have served more time in custody than any person waiting trial for nonviolent crime in New Orleans history. And we here say welcome to Freedom, Brother Smith Man, welcome, welcome to freedom. freedom Kevin Smith Eight years without a Trial in a jail, whatever happened to That Sixth Amendment,
0: you know what I mean Wow, slavery <laughs> Slavery happened You know, so uh-huh. But, yeah I, I, We do need to get ready to wrap it up So I'm going to start it off with our final comments Unless there's yes, anything else, Max uh, I'll go ahead. No, and start. sir. That's it. And I, I want to thank the young sister Maya for joining us tonight. And that whole black uh, blockchain, and using that as an abolitionist tool, as she stressed, it's not going to end slavery. It's not going to end the jailing and the and, and, and the slave catching um the goal is to not let anyone sit in jail but just the ingenuity i mean just think think about the tools that abolitionists pre 1865 had as we highlight our abolitionists uh profile weekly in the different different ways so i agree with max when he stated this is like part of the underground railroad you're ash you 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 using technology you're using uh, innovative way of using things that didn't exist throughout the 400 plus years of slavery on this continent as an institution. So I'll just thank you, Maya, for joining us. And I hope in my lifetime, and I hope to live a very long life, that we will see the day that slavery ended. But if not, I feel confident with with young people like yourself and Tag uh, pulling up the rear. So I'm just a uh, great program. Thank you all.
5: Word. Thank you. It was an exceptional show. Um, I look forward to seeing if we can come together and potentially um, add to Bail Block and looking at um, crypto or, or bitcoins and a lot of other things I need to do more research on because it's very confusing to me. But I did learn a lot today that helps me. And as always, it's always a pleasure to be on the show, and it's always a pleasure to fight, to get rid of, to abolish the 13th Amendment, and to move as abolitionists, as one with you guys. Thank you for having me on. You said that you want to say anything?
7: Hey, just thank you. Thank you all for all of the information you dispelled this evening. Uh, thank Maya for coming on, and, you know, let's keep hitting the pavement.
4: Well, I guess yeah, I'm going to keep right. my yeah, I'm you short know. this week <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep mine as short as simple as possible Remember this Abolition is a reason for a revolution So we can finally know some peace Peace Rise
1: up, rise up, rise up, rise up Rise up, rise up, rise up, rise up Rise up, rise up, Just lift your eyes up Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise rise up, rise up, when death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine claims millions, when justice...